<coughs> Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Let's see, in our last um, session with reading Acts, we read Acts chapter 15. We are ready to read Acts chapter 16. Now at the end of chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas had separated and Barnabas had taken Mark with him and uh, Paul chose Silas and they you know they just parted ways and went to uh, go back through you know um, Paul had said let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are you know just to go back through and and check on them so that's what they were doing all right so this is chapter 16 <coughs> Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, this kind of goes against what Paul talks about later in the epistles. But the reason that he was doing this was because of the Jews. They wanted to go and be able to talk to the Jews and hopefully convert and save as many of them as they could. Paul knew it would make it that much harder if Timothy was not circumcised. Now even though his mother was a Jewish woman and uh, and thus being born of her, he, he could still claim and be a Jewish man. Um, Paul knew that if he was not circumcised because his father was considered a Gentile, or they say Greek, then uh, that would make it harder. These people would not want to listen to Timothy. They would consider him to be a non-practicing Jewish person or someone who was not, you know, that, I mean, just some, well, non-practicing, someone they would not listen to. So, Paul did this for practical reasons, but it's not that he would have normally recommended that you had to get this done. It's just he did it for practical purposes. And also, it doesn't say that Paul really did it himself. It just says that, you know, I, the, the translation is it could be that he just had it done. But, you know, the way this is written here in this translation took him and circumcised him, so... It could go either way, I suppose. But I think they had people who really did those things and knew how to do it. You know, most of the times that's the way it is. We have medical people who know how to do those things. So just wanted to point that out. To continue on, as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So in other words, they were passing the letter to the believers. Gentile believers, or to all the believers, actually, that we read about in, yeah, it has been, um, we have read about that in chapter 15. Where the council had drawn up a letter, basically, um, basically saying that they would do well, you know, to abstain from certain things, you know, um, 
let's see, to abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immor immorality. So, so this was the letter that was being delivered. This is the information, the, uh, let's see what they say, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. The Macedonian, uh, I'm sorry, forget that, I was reading the header by accident. Verse 6, and they went through the region of, and I'm going to do the best I can with this, Phrygia or Phrygia, I'm not sure, and uh, Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, and when they had come up to Mysia or Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So both times they were warned to not go that way, or told not to go that way for whatever reason. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troyes, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. At this point, Luke is writing Acts, and at this point, Luke has joined Paul. And notice that the writing changes, and he says, he says, immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, before then, he had been speaking about Paul and Silas as being they, and uh, that sort of, you know, they and them. But at this point, Luke joined them. So, Setting sail from Troyes, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. Now, they say it's a leading city, and there was some notes in one translation I read that perhaps it wasn't a capital city, but it maybe was still a prominent city or the first city you would come to. Anyway... And, and this was a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. Now, the reason they did this was there, there was obviously no synagogue in this place. For whatever reason, maybe there were not enough Jews to have a synagogue. Uh, one note I, I read said that you had to have at least ten, you know, ten Jewish guys, and I, I'm not sure how, you know, I'm not sure if there were other requirements on that. It didn't say. So you would need, though, a certain amount of a Jewish community to have a synagogue to form that. Okay. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Theatira or Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. Now, a seller of purple goods, that was someone who was selling like 
purple robes and purple sashes and purple cloth in general maybe just purple cloth in general that was much sought after that was an expensive thing so that was this was someone who was who had a good business this was used for you know in the Roman in the Roman territories this was used in togas and stuff and it, it denoted um, a higher rank or a royal type of person okay so the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul and after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. In other words, she convinced them to do so. So they went to stay with her after she had listened. And the word of God, you know, got her attention. And she chose to believe. Or she believed and she chose to be baptized and saved as we were going to the place of prayer we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and she followed Paul and us crying out these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation now some of the reading I did on this um, said that this girl was basically like an oracle or a, she was associated with like the oracles of Delphi um, which would have meant that they were, you know, they were, that was the prophesying um, in the Greek religion, you know, in the, in the mythology and stuff. This was a prophesying group or, a, you know, an oracle would tell you, would, pro would give you a prophecy. So she was somehow associated with that. How much and to what extent, I personally do not know, but I'm just relaying this information to you. So she followed them around, telling how they were servants of the Most High God, and who proclaimed to you the way of salvation. Now, okay, so she was doing this, and, you know, just like the demons used to, you know, holler about Jesus, I think this, you know, was not necessarily in a good way or a good thing. Um, so anyway, in verse 18, and this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Now notice, she had been doing this for many days, and they had been tolerant of it. You know, and, you know, we're not going around trying to preach the gospel to get a lot of attention like that. Not like that. And Paul for whatever reason, having become greatly annoyed, well, it would be annoying to have her following you around hollering about you all the time. Um, he turned and, and basically commanded the, the spirit out of her, and, and it went. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, in other words, they lost their money maker. She was making money for them by being a fortune teller. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. Now remember, this is a Roman colony, so these are Roman citizens. 
The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore their garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. In other words, they were chained so that they could not leave. Now, here they had been taken, they had been beaten, they had had their clothes stripped from them, and now they're, they're locked in stocks in the, in the jail. All right, <clears throat> verse 25. About midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Now notice they're praying and singing hymns to God. They're, they're turning their cares and their worries over to God, and they're singing hymns, and they're thankful for what? They're thankful that, that they are suffering for the work of the Lord. You know what I mean? They are thankful to be counted among that number of people. That they are they are suffering because they are following Jesus and that they are being treated, mistreated because they are following and teaching the word of Jesus. Alright, so anyway though, while they're doing that, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. That's because the Romans' punishment would have been because... Now notice, um, when the jailer woke, so he was asleep. Now was he asleep on duty? Maybe, I don't know, but nonetheless he was asleep. Uh, the Roman punishment for losing the prisoners like that would have been, you know, uh, some sort of scourging and death. You know, it would have been a bad, a bad thing. It would not have been a good thing. So he's like, I'll just kill myself. It'll be better to kill myself. It'll be less painful than letting my superiors grab me and, and have me beaten or whatever and then killed you know, it'll, that will be a slower, more painful death than just killing myself. So he was going to kill himself. And that's the way, you know, that's the way it was a lot of times in the old world. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So he's had a big change here. Not only had he probably heard their message and heard them, you know, with prayer and singing and, and realized that they, you know, now now here they've been freed, but they didn't they didn't leave. They stayed. And it's it's you know, it's made an impression. All this has made an impression on him. And they <clears throat> excuse me, and they said Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Now that's how they were saved. It's not just, you know, of course, 
if you're going to be baptized, you're going to believe. You're not going to get baptized without believing. So, you know, what Paul meant was when you believe, you will be baptized, you will follow through. When you really believe in something, you will, you will make the appropriate act of faith, and you will be saved. And that's what that is. You believe and you're baptized. So, then he brought them up into his house and set food before them and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God but when it was day now notice they did that he did that the self same night they didn't waste time they didn't wait no they could be saved they went and got saved right then don't wait don't don't mess around and run the risk of possibly not being saved before you die go ahead and get that taken care of I mean you can always let's say you want to have a certain person see you be baptized or you want to do something a little special well go ahead and get baptized you can redo that you can be baptized multiple times there's nothing going to hurt that you're just you're just coming back and you're just reaffirming uh, sometimes when we drift away and we come back to the the church or the lord sometimes we're like you know what maybe maybe i want to be baptized again i want to reaffirm my faith and there's nothing wrong with that you can do that it's like some other things you can do those things um you know you shouldn't i guess you shouldn't make them what a mundane or a you know unimportant thing but you can do them more than once uh, especially in an important way like that so anyway but you shouldn't wait around you shouldn't you shouldn't wait and run that risk that's the main point i'm trying to make all right but when it was day the magistrate sent the police saying let those men go and the jailer reported these words to paul saying the magistrates have sent to let you go therefore come out now and go in peace but paul said to him said to them they have beaten us publicly uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison and do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. Now this is a big deal. Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. Now I knew, I always knew Paul was and I think I always forget that Silas is. I don't know where Silas comes from. I don't remember and I'm not sure if it tells us here in the text. Um, but these men are Roman citizens. Roman citizens, if you were a Roman citizen, now, you had certain rights. You had, maybe not like we have in the U.S., maybe not that many rights, but you did have certain rights. You couldn't just be used and abused. Now, it's different if you were a slave or, or not a real citizen, that you could be treated horribly, much, much worse. But if you were a citizen, and Paul was from Tarsus, he had been born in a Roman um I guess that was a colony or town or city, however you want to look at it. Um, a Roman region, anyway. It was in Roman under Roman authority, and so he was a Roman citizen. And Silas, obviously, also a Roman citizen. So they shouldn't have been treated like this. And we'll see what happens here. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens because they had some recourse. They could cause these folks some trouble. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia, and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed.
So, at that point, they had done what they had intended to do here, and they moved on. But you'll notice that those authorities came and apologized to them and took them out. In other words, escorted or walked them out publicly. And that's because that was that was a way of making some amends of admitting that that was somewhat that what they had done was a mistake, and uh, it was a way of publicly recognizing that these these men should not have been treated like that. Now, mind you, they didn't get any other benefit out of it other than the fact that these people had to apologize to them and publicly walk them out, basically letting everyone know that. Paul and Silas weren't in the wrong, but that they had been judged wrongly and punished wrongly. So, that's just something to note. They did have certain rights under Roman rule. And uh, and Paul was a Roman citizen, so at times, he would take advantage of those rights. And he does that in other places at other times, as well he should, as a Roman citizen. He should be treated as a Roman citizen. So, all right. That is the end of chapter 16. I want to thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, God loves you.